Thank you for that. How you doing today? Good. Good to see you all here today. Yes, I am the son of Paul Benithan, and uh, I am not Paul Benithan, though, uh, as I was mistaken this morning, so, um, but that's okay. I'm not sure how I feel about that right at this moment, you know what I mean? So, uh, but that's, that's all right, and uh, I am very blessed to, um, to, to come from a, a great heritage, and, uh, and I do want to honor my mum and dad, and you know, my grandfather, I'm third generation pastor, my grandfather pastored and pioneered a church in Sterling back in here, built the El Karim site, I think it's called something else now, do you guys remember El Karim? Does anyone remember that? Back over here, Woodside, I think it is, or something, you know, so do you know what El Karim means? It's miracle spelled backwards. There you go. My grandfather named that. How funny is that? So, so it's great. It's great to have a, uh, a um, some of you are doing, I can see you now going, e- oh, oh yeah, that makes sense, right? <laughs> right? So uh, it is great. It is great to have, a, um, to have a spiritual heritage like that. And certainly um, I'm very, uh, feel very blessed by that. But you know what? I'm interested in what God's doing now. I'm interested in what God's going to do in our future. I'm interested in, in, in what God is speaking to us now. And that's really, I want to uh, come and encourage you today. You know, I, uh, I work alongside Dean as well, Dean O'Keefe and uh, Dr. Dean, should I say? Sorry, sorry, doctor. And uh, doc, Dr. Reverend, yeah. So I work alongside Dean and I uh, even talking with uh, Luke this week. Hasn't Luke done a great, have you, it's been great having Luke around, hey? What a great couple. Haley just helping in this uh, season. Well, uh, Gary and Jane having a great time away. And I want to thank them too for, for inviting me. But, uh, you know, I was talking to them and just, uh, and they were sharing about how at the moment, just going through a real focus at, at looking at Jesus and, and making sure that Jesus is at the center, that Jesus is at the center, you know. So, you know, the simplest things are often the most powerful, isn't it? You know, so, so having Jesus at the center is, is such a powerful truth, such a powerful uh, idea that, that we need to live by and, and have as a practice in our lives. And so uh, I want to sort of, I guess, pick up a little bit with that theme and and continue uh, with that and looking at having Jesus at the center. And so uh, I want to share to you this morning from the book of Mark. I'm just going to put this down here. I like like to have room to move. I'm a walker and a talker. We got any walkers and talkers in the house? Like when I get a phone call, I got to get up and walk. Is anyone else like that? Like I'll, I'll go just go and walk around. I just, I can't. I'm a walker and a talker, so um, so I'll promise I won't be like a tennis match, though. All right, I won't do that to you, but uh, but I will move around a little bit. All right, Mark six. You've got your Bibles here. You got your Bibles? Turn to Mark six. We're going to read uh, from verse one, and it says this. It says he went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. So we're speaking of Jesus here. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying. Where did this man get these things? What is, what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Jose? I didn't know Mexicans were in the Bible. There you go. Of Jose and Judas and Simon. Are not his sisters here with us? And it says this, and it says, And they took offense at him. They took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work. No mighty work. 
except that he just laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Oh, I just love that. I just don't you just love how the Bible is written? He could do nothing except just lay his hands on people and see him healed. No big deal. Like, like that's just that's just that's right. That's just ordinary, right? But uh, I, I just love the way I love the way the Bible writes these things, right? But then it says this, right? And this is this is our sit up and take notice verse. You know, there are sit up and take notice verses, you know, in the Bible, and this is one of them. It says this in verse six, and he marvelled because of their unbelief, and he went about among the villages teaching. You know, this is one of those scary scriptures. This is one of these scriptures that should cause us to, to sit up and take notice. You know, because, it, because in this passage here, as I read it, what it does is that it puts a weight upon my response to Jesus and how I respond impacts what Jesus can do. So it's a passage that makes me sit up and take notice. It's a passage that makes me kind of go, ooh, well, I, I have a part to play in this. So depending upon my response and how I act or how I think about God, it will actually will impact what Jesus can and can't do. You know, I also, like, I also think it's a good passage to take particular note of because the, the Bible says that Jesus was in his hometown with his family, in his house, in his, in his comfort space. You know, it causes me to think of the church. You know, we are the house of God. We, we, this is Jesus' hometown is right here. You know, we are all part of his family. If you're a believer here today and you acknowledge it, we are part of the family. So we are his brothers and sisters. But yet we see here, so, so this passage makes me sit up and take notice because I kind of go, well, maybe this is speaking to me. Maybe there's something I can learn from this passage. Maybe there's something that, that I need to look at to take away because I don't ever want to be in a place where Jesus is without honor. I don't ever want to be in a place that, that would cause Jesus to marvel at my unbelief. What a, I don't want to be that person. I don't ever want to say this causes me to sit and take, take note of what is actually going on in this passage. You know, if you've, uh, if you've read this passage or familiar with it, you know, one of the things that you may have heard said was that idea of familiarity, that there was this familiarity towards Jesus. You know, there's, this, there's the old saying that goes, familiarity breeds contempt. So when we become familiar with something, it becomes ordinary. And, and yes, there's, there's certainly a level to truth in that, but, but I think there's another layer going on here. I think there's another layer that we can see in this passage. You know, my problem with that idea of it, if it's just about being familiar, then what's the alternative? I become unfamiliar? Well, I don't want to be unfamiliar with Jesus. I don't want to get to heaven and have Jesus go, hey, how did you get in here? I don't know who you are. I, I don't want to be unfamiliar with Jesus. So I think there's a little bit more going on here that I just want to, want to unpack a little bit this morning. Because if it's just pure familiarity as the issue, then well, I actually, I actually want to be familiar with Jesus. I hope Jesus recognizes me. Right? I hope I'm not a stranger to him. I, I want there to be a familiarity in our relationship, in our connection with one another. You know, there's another, uh, one, another one of those amazing scriptures, kind of scary scriptures that we see Jesus talk about, 
when he says that, Jesus says this. He goes, you know, you prophesied in my name. You did miraculous things. You wondrous things. All this, but I didn't know you. That's, that's a scary one. I don't want to be, I didn't know you. I, I don't want Jesus to be unfamiliar with who I am. I, I don't want to be a surprise to Jesus. Oh my goodness, you're here. Didn't see that guy. I, I, don't, I don't want that. That's, that's scary, right? I don't want that. So there's, there's got to be another layer going on in, in this passage. I think there's something else here. See, I, I believe it's right to say, right, that the friends, and, the friends and family of Jesus in this setting, they were familiar. They were familiar. But I believe what they were familiar with was the humanity of Jesus. They weren't familiar with the deity of Jesus. You know, we live in a world today that is familiar with the humanity of Jesus. We live in a world that is familiar with, with, with the humanity of, of Jesus the man. But we live in a world that denies the deity of our Jesus. That denies that Jesus is God. And today that's what I want us to talk about and look at a little bit. Is that Jesus is God. I just don't want to be familiar with Jesus' humanity. I want to be familiar with His deity. As we sang this morning, I want to be familiar with His resurrection power. I want to be so familiar with it that it just oozes out of my body, that it's just part of who I am. I want to be familiar with the power and the deity of who Jesus Christ is, not just His humanity. You know, we live in a world that is familiar with the humanity of Jesus. We say things like, well, Jesus is love. Well, people love stuff. You and I love stuff. This, this, loving things isn't particular to the Christian faith. There's lots of people out there who love, people love going to the football. I, I love stuff, you know. We say things like, well, yeah, well, well but Jesus is compassionate. Well, you know, once I rescued a cat, I helped a cat out. I'm, com I'm compassionate, right? I I'm compassionate. Something going on here, I'll let you guys sort it out later, right? I'm compassionate. I once stopped to help someone cross the road. Someone change a tire. I'm compassionate. Like, pe people are compassionate. People say things like, yeah, yeah, but Jesus is generous. Jesus is generous. Well, I don't know if you ever watch TV, but there's this lady on there called Oprah. She gives away stuff all the time. She's giving away cars and holidays like they're nothing. See, we have a world that's familiar with the humanity of Jesus. But it doesn't know the deity of Jesus. And you and I, you and I need to take note that as the church, we don't just become familiar with humanity of Jesus, but we, be, but we remain familiar in the deity of Jesus. You know, can I encourage you? Can I encourage you? You know, before the announcers, we talked about a nature playgroup, right? That they were running, it was 150 kids. That's amazing. That is amazing, church. I'm telling you, I go around the place. That is amazing what's happening out there. But you know, part of what's happening out there is the humanity. It's a good thing. It's a good program, safe place, people to come. Fantastic. But we as the church need to bring the deity into that and realize that that's an opportunity for a spiritual work to be done in the lives and families of kids and people who will come and meet in this place 
who won't realize it, but they will have an opportunity to encounter the deity of Jesus Christ, not just the humanity. I'm glad Jesus loves me. I'm glad he's compassionate. I'm glad he, he came and he's generous to me. But you know what I'm more excited about? He forgave me. He set me free. He, he put me in a right place with him. That's the Jesus I want to be familiar with. The power of the resurrection of our Jesus Christ. And we can bring that on whatever date that was. I can't remember, but it's a good date. You should remember. We can, thank you. Thank you. We, we can bring that. It's more than just a program. It's more than just a play. We can bring the deity of who Jesus is. That's, a, that's not in my notes. You know, we need to be familiar with the fact that Jesus is God because I believe that if we'd be familiar with that, our behavior and the behavior that we read here would be completely different. If we truly knew who Jesus, the deity of Jesus Christ, it would change everything. It would change everything. It would change our behavior. It would affect the way we act. You know, if you've ever seen the footage, and look, I want to ask you to put your hand up because maybe you were there. But have you ever seen the footage of when the Beatles come to, came to town? Actually, in the fact, was anyone there? Put your hand up. Look at you. Awesome, right? You guys were there. That's amazing. All right. But have you seen the footage, right, Dave? Can you picture in your mind that footage that you see when they get off the plane? What are people doing? They are going crazy. They are passing out. They are losing their mind. They are screwed. They are crying. They are bawling. They're on their knees. For the presence of this band from the UK, how much more in the presence of our God? How much more in, the, in His presence? See, if we are, see, the people who, who did that, I'm not suggesting that you guys did that. Maybe you did. Connor would have. But the people who did that, right, that was not their normal behavior. You see the footage, people just go on ballistic, right? It's outside of their normal modus operandi. It's not how they would normally act. But when they're in the presence of the Beatles, it changed their whole behavior. When we're in the presence of Jesus, how much more should it change our behavior? How much more should it change our response to him? You know, if these guys in Mark 6 were familiar with his deity, it would have changed everything. It, that, that whole passage would read completely differently. But they were just familiar with his humanity. It's the challenge that we face in our Western culture. It's the challenge that we come up against. We have a world that is familiar with the humanity of Jesus, but not his deity. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad that Jesus came down to meet me where I'm at. But church, I don't want to keep him there. Jesus came down to lift me up. Jesus didn't come down so I can keep him in that place. He came down to bring me up to who he's called us to be. Is Jesus just a friend or is Jesus God? Now, I'm glad Jesus is a friend, but I'm glad he's God. I'm glad that he is God. We need to be familiar with the deity of Jesus Christ. You know, I believe that if we would be familiar with that, we would see him move in powerful 
in miraculous ways, not just heal a few people. (laughs) But he would move amazingly in our hearts, in our churches, and in the other arenas that he's called us to. So I want to I want to talk to you this morning about three things, three things that will help you to become or even at the very least remain familiar with his deity. You know, in order for us to be familiar with his deity, we need to become familiar with forgiveness. Become familiar with forgiveness. I want to read to you from the book of Luke, chapter 18. It says, Some men were carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof, lowered him on his mat, threw the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. This is a good question for Dr. Dean later. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, get out of here. We'll go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. See, no one before had the ability to forgive sin except God. No Pharisee, no patriarch, no other biblical name. No one else had come along before that who could forgive sin. Yet we see Jesus is here forgiving sin. He is here displaying his deity. You know, it's interesting in that passage, it almost seems like for the Pharisees, the harder task was to do the healing, not to forgive sin. The harder job to do, and Jesus goes, well, look, so you believe that, I'll I'll heal him now. I'll heal him now. But you know what? The forgiveness of sin is the greatest miracle that you and I experience. I'm glad that we have a God who performed miracles. I'm glad that that many of us maybe have heard or maybe experienced testimonies of, of healing in body, of miraculous change, of things like that. But you know what? Above all those things, I'm glad that he forgives me of my sin. I'm glad that I am washed clean and set free. I'm glad that that Jesus has made the way for me to be in right standing with God. You know, we need to be familiar with forgiveness. You know, the greatest miracle is the salvation of the soul and the forgiveness of sin. You know, Jesus' primary mission wasn't to stir up the locals and perform miracles or challenge the social ethos. His mission was to reconcile man to God. That was his job, and he does that by dying on the cross, which we celebrated and we've joined him before. He did that by dying on the cross, that we can receive the forgiveness of sin. That was his mission. See, Jesus displays his deity to us through the forgiveness of sin. You know, when Jesus hung on the cross, the thief next to him didn't say, well, Jesus, if you've got some spare time, can you throw up a prayer for me and heal me? Because my wrist is really sore right now. These, these nails are killing me, right? He didn't say that. He said, remember me. He said, remember me. He didn't look for healing in his body. He was after restoration of the soul. And Jesus, that was his mission. That was his goal. That was what he was about, to restore us to the Father. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Colossians 1.13 says, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Jesus' greatest miracle, His greatest accomplishment was the forgiveness of sin for you and me, was His atoning sacrifice. See, only deity can bring about the forgiveness of sin. See, forgiveness of sin didn't require someone of good nature Someone with a nice disposition, forgiveness of sin required deity. Jesus died for us. You know, I love that the best part is the easiest part. The best part is the easiest part. Just believe and receive. The best part is the easiest part. You know, how many times do we Dare I say, judge Jesus. How, how many times do we look at things a little bit sideways about maybe what we perceive God is, is or not doing? How many times do we look at things that we don't understand and we go, well, I don't really get that. So because I don't really get that, it kind of casts a shadow across everything else. You know, the easiest thing is the best thing. I don't understand everything in the Word of God. I don't understand what he's doing in and through. I don't, I don't get everything. But I'm glad I understand the forgiveness of sin. I'm glad I understand that he died for me. And you know what? If I just have that, everything else can just work itself out. I'll trust God with everything else. I'll trust him to sort out everything else, everything I don't understand, all the challenges of life. I'll trust God with all of that because I know that he died for me. I know that he has forgiven my sin and set me free. Our eternity is secure because of Jesus. You know, we need to be familiar with that fact. Does that cause you to sit in awe today? Does that cause you to kind of sit back and just go, man, my Jesus is good. My Jesus is good. Yeah, we've got trouble. Yeah, there's, but man, my Jesus is good. Look at what he did for me. You know, be familiar with forgiveness. You know, I'd also say, I'd also put this to you. How often do you ask for forgiveness from God? Especially for those of us who have been on the Christian journey a while. How often do you ask him for forgiveness? You know, I would encourage you to make it a daily practice. Make it a daily practice to ask for His forgiveness. Because you know what that does? It reminds us of what He has done. It's not about reminding us of our frailty and the things where we've gone wrong because, hey, we've all got that. But it reminds us of who Jesus is. It reminds us of what He has done. It reminds us of the fact that He is the only one who can forgive our sins. He is the only one. It's a good daily habit. Your second thing. Is this okay? Second thing. Become familiar with fear. So if we want to be familiar with the deity of Jesus, you need to be familiar with forgiveness. Right? You need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness every day. 
Right? Only Jesus can do that. Only his deity can do that. Right? The second thing is we need to be familiar with fear. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You know, we understand here that when I say fear, we're not talking about frightened. We're not talking about a scare, or, or we're not talking about it like that, but we're talking about an honor and a respect. You know, to know Jesus is to have reverence and respect for who He is and what He has done. To have reverence for who He is. We need to be familiar with fear. That is, we need to honor and respect that Jesus is God. That Jesus is God. You know, Jesus is not someone to be played around with or just treated as ordinary. You know, friends of mine have... um, have our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, in their church. He attends their church. Now, he attended their church well before, and he still attends their church now. And, uh, and uh, you know, we should always pray for our leaders, right? It's always a good thing to pray for our leaders. And, uh, but our Prime Minister is a Bible-believing, Pentecostal Christian. It's amazing. It's so cool, isn't it? And so, uh, so he, he attends their church. Can I tell you, can I tell you that if I was to tell you that right now, you know, Scott Morrison's out the front, he's about to come in, and be, we, it would affect what we do. And rightly so. Rightly so, right? We would honor and respect the office that he carries and the man that he is and the fact that he's coming in, right? We would, well, how much more Jesus? How much more should we honor and respect Jesus? Respect him with our time, respect him with our gift, honor him with the things that he's put into. Like, how much more should we fear Jesus? You know, Jesus is our king. Jesus is holy and just. Jesus is not just a good person who hopes people will like him. That's not what Jesus is about. He is our king. You know, Jesus will not be mocked or suffer fools. You know, Galatians 6 talks about this. It says God will not be mocked. He's not playing around. He's he's not just, he's, he's not playing. Jesus isn't coming just to, Hope some things were. Jesus came with purpose, with mission. You know, Charles Finney, great preacher from the 1800s, he wrote this when talking about this, this concept of you know, seeing, uh, seeing Jesus as holy and, 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 and this concept of mocking God. And he says this, he goes, To mock God is to pretend to love and serve Him when we do not. To act in a false manner, to be insecure, to, to insincere, sorry, to be insincere and hypocritical of our professions, pretending to obey Him, love, serve, and worship Him when we do not. Ouch, right? I don't want to be that guy, right? Well, how do you not become that person? By fear. By remembering that He is holy. He is holy. We haven't got time to play around. We, we haven't got time to play around. You know, what Jesus came and did is it's, it's far too precious for us to treat it as just as ordinary. You know, God sent His Son to die for you and me. Now, I don't know all of you. You look like pretty nice people. You know, you look like you're pretty friendly and smile. Can I tell you, if I had a choice right now between you and my son, you're going to lose. I hope you're not offended by that, but that's just, I love you. Good on you. God bless you. I'll chat with you afterwards and share a coffee. Right? 
but that's my son. Like, I, sorry, you know, like, maybe the better thing to say is I will take the place. Is that the better thing to say? Maybe that's the, maybe that's the right thing I should have said. But you understand what I mean? Like, God sent his son. He's not playing around. He's, he's not just messing around going, well, I've got this sort of line around. I'll send him down to sort it out. No, he sent his best for you and for me. We need to remember that he is holy. You know, my wife was uh, sharing with me. She's reading this great book at the moment. And I'm probably going to mess this up a little bit. So hopefully I don't mess it up too much. She's sighing at me, right? But she's reading this thing and she made, and she's talking to telling me about it. And you know, when we, in Revelation where it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It's the only time you see those words three times. Holy, holy, holy. It doesn't say loving, loving, loving. It doesn't say uh, generous, generous, generous. It says holy, holy, holy is the Lord. He is holy, church. He is holy. And you and I need to remember that our Jesus is holy. He's not playing around. It's not fun and games. There's too much at stake for us to treat it as ordinary. Jesus came for you and for me to set us free, to reconcile us to the Father. I want to be familiar with that. I, I, I want to be familiar with the holiness of my Jesus. You know, you want to keep Him as deity in your life. You want to, you want to remain in that place. Remember, He is holy. He is holy. There's so much more sake of time. I could go into that. It's, just, it's, it's amazing. We, we need to remember that he is holy. You know, just, just quickly, you know, like in Matthew 10, Jesus talking with disciples, he's talking all about what you're going to go out and do and do all this cool stuff. And it's going to be great. We're going to have a great time. Yeah, all these good things going on. Then nestled right in the middle of this sharing with his disciples, he says this. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather... Be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We don't want to talk about that stuff, right? Jesus throws that in there in the middle of his encouragements to, to the disciples about to go out and spread the word. Now, you and I read that with our you know, middle-class South Australia lens, and we go, oh, that sounds a bit harsh. Let me tell you, if I was in the persecuted church, that's the memory verse I'm teaching my kids. Right? That's, that's the memory verse I have on my toilet door or on the fridge. Right? That's the one. I, remember this one, kids. Don't worry about the ones who can hurt your body. Fear the one who can take your soul. He is holy. Our God is holy. And He's not playing around. He's not just killing time. You and I, we need to remember the deity of Jesus. Remember that he is holy. So much more I can say about that, but I need to move on. I need to move on. Third thing, third thing. All right, so we got forgiveness, fear, holiness. And the third one, we need to become familiar. If we're going to be familiar with the deity of Jesus, we need to become familiar with faith. We need to be familiar with faith. You know, if we are to experience the deity of Jesus, we need to put our faith in Him. Well, what is faith? Faith is the belief that you can't do it alone. Faith is putting more weight on who Jesus is and not on my circumstance. 
Faith is the assurance of things revealed and promised in the Word are true even though unseen. You know, it's our faith that gives us a conviction that the things spoken by Jesus will come to pass. We need to put our faith in Jesus. Put our faith in Him. This is what the Bible says about faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the insurance about what we do not see. See, faith is a doing word. Faith has an application. Faith without action was dead. Well, so action without faith is dead. That's what I'm talking about over here. It's great action that we can have over here, but we need to apply faith to it, to believe for transformation. See, being, being familiar with faith means that faith isn't just applied to belief about the Bible, but faith is applied to every area of my life. So it's not like when I read the Word of God or when I'm in worship, oh, there's faith. No, faith applies to every area, every arena of my life. Faith is across everything that I do, across everything that I participate in. See, when I go to work, if I'm familiar with faith, I don't just go to work to do a job, but I go to work believing that God can use me. I go to work believing that, that, that Jesus can speak through me to impact someone's life. See, when I apply faith to my life, I don't just have kids, but when I'm familiar with faith, I believe that Jesus can help me raise a family that will honor Him. See, that's how you apply faith to your life. You know, I don't just go to, uh, go to study or go to school or university for a better future. But when I'm familiar with faith, I believe that Jesus already has a better future prepared for me. And that I apply faith to my circumstances. I apply faith to what I am doing. You see, in everything that we do, in every arena, in every sphere of your life, you need to apply faith. Apply faith to everything that you do. Be familiar with faith in Jesus. You know, if you could just make if you could just make that shift this morning and just believe that in every area, in everything that I do, that, that, that I'm stepping into, as if I can apply faith to what it is that I'm doing, it will change your whole perspective. It will change everything that you do. If you believe that everywhere that I go, I, I can apply faith. I can, apply, I can believe this. I can believe Christ's words about this. I can believe in the deity of Jesus. With this, if, if I apply faith across all those areas of my life, not just the Sunday, or when I open my word, or when I flick on Daystar, or something like that, right? Faith applies to every area of my life. It changes your whole view. It changes your whole view. We need to be familiar with faith. You know, in that same chapter in Hebrews 11, the Bible talks about people in the Bible who are familiar with faith and what it did in their lives. It says this, verse 4, it says, by faith, Abel brought God a better, better offering than Cain did. By faith, it was commended as righteousness when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. See, being familiar with faith means that it's not about what I bring to the table, but it's about recognizing who Jesus is. And it's our recognition of God and who he is in our lives that will speak through the generations. See how it changes everything when you apply faith. See, by faith, when we... When, uh, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. See, being familiar with faith means you don't need to live life with an exact roadmap of everything that's going to happen. But being obedient to Jesus, you recognize that that is always the best way forward. See how everything changes when you apply 
faith. Verse 21 says, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. See, being familiar with faith is, is the key to a peaceful life. Jacob's blessing his family and worshipping Jesus well into his old age, that is only ever done by faith, not by a financial planner. You, you don't come to that place through luck or through, I just got the, the right flick of the coin at the right time. No, that comes by faith. You see, we need to apply faith. It says in verse 24, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as the greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So powerful. See, being familiar with faith means you go through hard times that maybe you'll miss out on things that others might uh, get, that, but you recognize the greater value. Because it's by faith. You see, you recognize the greater value of what's actually happening because you know it's not about the fleeting here and now, but it's about where I'm going. It's about my eternal destiny. You see, that's what happens when you apply faith. Are you getting the picture here today? Can I give you one more? It says 32. It says, what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, or David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, uh, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. Someone give me an amen. amen. And who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Need I say more? Become familiar with faith. Apply faith to your life. See, Jesus was unable to do mighty works because the people were familiar with his humanity. Friend, I don't just want to be familiar with his humanity. I want to be familiar with his deity. I want to be familiar with the fact that Jesus is God. Are you familiar with deity? Just invite the band just to come back up right at this time. Thanks, guys. Are you familiar with his deity? Are you familiar with forgiveness? You know, no one else can do that. Nothing in this world can achieve that for you and for me. Do you marvel and celebrate that you are forgiven and that your hope is secured? I hope you do every day. I hope that's a daily practice. You are forgiven, friend. You are made right before God because of the deity of our Jesus Christ. I want to ask you today, are you familiar with fear? Jesus isn't playing around, church. He paid too much of a price for us to treat him as ordinary. Are you familiar with fear? Are you familiar with the holiness of our Jesus? I want to ask you today, are you familiar with faith? Do you see opportunity every day for Jesus to play an active part in your life? Do you apply faith to your everyday life? Only deity can do that. You know, if we as a church, if we here as infused church, want to see the miraculous mighty works, 
We want to see God move in powerful ways, changing lives, Jesus impacting people. Then I believe that you and I need to be familiar with his deity. Be familiar that Jesus is God. Don't just be familiar with his humanity. Be familiar with the fact that he's forgiven you. Be familiar with the fact that he is holy. And be familiar with applying faith to your everyday life. Can we stand right now? I'm just going to pray. I promise we'll finish really soon. But I want to give you a moment right now. It it would be poor of me to at this moment just go, God bless, see you later. See you in the cafe afterwards, all right? Because I believe that maybe this morning, maybe we just need to allow the presence of God to work in our lives today. Maybe today we need to be reminded again of his deity. Maybe right now you need it. Maybe right now for you you need to be reminded of his forgiveness. You know, do you remember who you were before you met Jesus? You know, Paul puts it like this. Paul says, "O wretched sinner am I. But for the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ, It's not about bringing up the past or beating up on yourself. But it's about remembering what Jesus has done and the great work He's done in our lives. Sometimes the fish doesn't know it's wet. Right? You and I are forgiven and set free. We sang that song so well today, talking about the freedom and forgiveness that He's given to us. You know, I want to remain familiar with that fact. I don't ever want to come to my place, a place in my Christian walk where I'm like, oh, that's good, Jesus, but what else you got for me? Because if he did nothing else, I'm grateful he set me free and forgave my sin. Let's be familiar with forgiveness. Maybe you need to just remind yourself right now. Maybe you need to spend some time talking with God. Maybe you need to remind yourself of his holiness. Maybe you need to think about where I can apply faith, whatever it is for you today. I just want to ask that right now you just lift your hands just as a sign of surrender towards God. I surrender to Him to say, God, speak to me today. God, what do I need to become familiar with? Because God, I want you to do miracles in my life. God, I don't want you to look at me and say, well, I can't do anything because unbelief or there's no honor. I don't want to be in that place, God. So God, what is it, God? Do I need to be reminded of your holiness? Do I need to be reminded to apply faith? Don't need to be reminded of the forgiveness that you've given to me. Just take a few moments right now, and I'm going to pray for you right where you are.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, begin to just open your heart right now. Begin to let him speak to you right now. Don't miss this opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We recognize your deity in this place, Lord. We recognize your power. We recognize your, your, who you are, Jesus, what you have done for us. That you are holy in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We open our hearts to you. Speak to us. Change us. Shift us, God. Whatever it is, speak to our hearts today. We don't want to leave this place the same. We want to be transformed this morning by your power, by your love, by your grace, by your deity, by your resurrection power alive in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church, let it flow this morning. We're okay. We're okay. God's moving in this place. Let Him deal with your heart. You know, it starts in us. It starts in us. When we see something happen out there, it begins in here. Let it begin in your heart this morning. Father, we want to become familiar with your deity. You are God in this place. You are God of our lives. Only you can forgive our sins. Only you, God, can set us free. Oh, God, we want you to move mightily in our lives, Lord. Lord, that we might impact those that you are calling us to, Lord God. God, use this place. Use us, Lord. We are available to you. Come and do a miraculous work in this place. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift up a praise to his name. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Thank you, Jesus. Your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name. Thank you, Jesus. 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 You know, Paul said, 
if it's not for the resurrection, then it's all a waste of time. You know, only His deity, it's only the fact that Jesus is God, is that He was resurrected. You and I live in the fruit of His death and resurrection. His resurrection power is alive in us today. And it's there so you and I could take His message to our lost world who needs to encounter the deity of Jesus Christ. They need to know that Jesus is God. He wasn't just a good person who did some good stuff. Jesus is God. And He is what they need. And His power is alive in you and I today. That we would take His course to the world. That we would take all that Jesus has done. Tell it to people who need to hear. That we would apply faith to our lives. That we would take all that Jesus is to our world. Father, I thank you today. I thank you, Jesus, for our people here today who are committed to being familiar with your deity, who are committed to living in forgiveness, to living in fear, and to living by faith. to show the world that Jesus is God. Father, I pray, Lord, for this group of people. Lord, bless them. God, I pray here that, Lord, you bless uh, bless families, bless marriages, Lord God. God, bless workplaces, Lord. Lord, I'm so grateful, Lord, that the kids are in today. God, I pray, bless the kids, Lord God. Bless them, Lord God. Let them live by faith, Lord God. Let them live by God, by trusting in your word and by trusting who Jesus is. Father, I pray, Lord God, for the the seniors in the faith in this place, Lord God. God, I pray, Lord God, let their voice become louder. God, let their prayers become stronger. The prayer of a righteous person avails much, church. Don't stop. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. I encourage you here today. If If you're a person of prayer, don't stop. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep pressing in. Father, bless the prayer team. Bless those, Lord God, who take up the spiritual armament of prayer in this place, Lord God. Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray, Lord God, bless the team in this place, Lord God. Bless the leadership, Father. God, help them to lead with wisdom and help them to lead with faith. To believe that you can do great and mighty works through this house. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for having me today. God bless, church.